Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I want to read from verse 26. Acts chapter 8, reading from verse 26. The Bible says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go down towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I just love that scripture because it's very specific, you know. Um, this is desert. So he arose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all the treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting on his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning in his scripture preached Jesus to him. NIV says he preached the good news. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord called Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Let's pray. So, Father, we come before you at this time in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you for your spirit and your presence that's here today. Thank you for your word. Your word is powerful, living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, has the capacity to penetrate our soul and our spirit has the capacity to speak into the depths of our heart Lord God it's our prayer today we don't want to just hear a speech Lord God our ears our hearts are hungry to hear the small still voice of the spirit it's our prayer today father let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word bind every spirit of fear and intimidation let there be spirit of wisdom and revelation as we hear the word and I just thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that you're going to speak, that this word is going to bring fruit for your glory. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to speak this morning on the subject, knowing Christ. I want to speak about the greatest decision that we can ever make in life. And that is to know Jesus Christ. To come into relationship with Christ, to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's the greatest decision. A lot of important decisions that we can make in life, but the greatest decision 
is the decision to follow Jesus Christ and to know him as our Lord and Savior. A lot of people that know about Jesus. They've heard about Jesus. They use his name every single day. Some people wear a cross, but they don't know what the cross actually means. They know it's a religious symbol. It represents something religious, but they have no, no relationship with what the cross actually represents. Some people even have a picture of Jesus at home. Usually it's blue eyes and long hair. Um, sort of looks like me a bit. You know what I'm saying? It's just, just this beautiful picture of Jesus. I don't know what Jesus looked like. And they kind of think, oh, that's, that's, a, that's, that's something religious about that. But they don't know who he is. They don't know who the person is in the picture. I tell you, there's no greater experience that can happen to you in life than to come to know who that Jesus actually is, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And for those of you that are believers, I think the greatest um, uh, decision uh, or the greatest uh, thing that we can do in life is to know Christ. Paul says at the end of his life, I want to know him. In other words, I don't want to just know about him. I don't want to know him as a religious figure. I want to know him. I want to know him in a greater and a deeper way. How many people know that you can be married and not know each other? <laughs> and ideally, the longer we're married, the more we get to know each other. Can I hear an amen? Is that, right? Is that okay? The more Lana's married to me, the more she's knowing all the nice things about me. You know, <laughs> um, To help us unpack this whole topic, we're going to look at the story of the conversion of this Ethiopian that we read in our text. How he came to know Jesus. And how God used Philip to actually introduce him to Christ. Bible says about the Ethiopian that after he came to know Jesus, he went on his way rejoicing. So it's just a powerful scripture. One of the experiences that people have after, after they know Jesus is, the, is, is joy. They experience joy. The Bible says of the jailer in the book of Acts, it says the jailer brought them into his house, that's Paul and Silas, and set a meal before them and he was Filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. One of the products of coming to know Jesus as our Lord and Saviour is we experience joy. So many people looking for happiness in life. And, and it's, it's like if they're going to explain what's my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to be happy. And so they're forever chasing that. Well, if I get this, then I'm going to be happy. If I get this position, then I'm going to be happy. If I do this, then I'm going to be happy. And they're forever chasing, thinking it's, it's just an, it's another year away. And then, then... And then people, people look to retirement. Oh, when I retire, then, then I'm going to be able to enjoy life. By the time you get to retirement, the aches start coming. Anybody notice that? <laughs> Hair starts falling out and you start getting a shoulder pain and another pain <laughs> and another pain. The greatest thing that's going to bring joy in our life is coming to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. It's a joy. It's not happiness. Happiness is based on what happens to us. Joy is something deeper. You can be going through a tough time and still experience the joy of the Lord because you know that God is, is with you. The story of this Ethiopian isn't unlike our own story. It, it, and my prayer is that we too can experience Christ as our Lord and Savior. Text begins with a man called Philip who was chosen to wait on tables in the church in Jerusalem. You read about that in the book of Acts chapter 6. And when the church was being persecuted, people fled. And the Bible tells us that Philip went down to a city called Samaria. And there he spoke about Jesus Christ. What looked like the worst thing that was happening, persecution of the church, actually was God using the church 
to diffuse the gospel so that many people came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. When Philip was in Samaria, there was a great move of God. There were great miraculous signs, people healed, delivered from evil spirits. And as a result, people put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You read about that at the beginning of Acts chapter eight. When the church in Jerusalem heard that revival broke out in Samaria, they sent Peter and John. So there was somehow, I don't exactly know how, information got back to the church in Jerusalem that there was a revival that had broken out there in Samaria. They were curious. They sent Peter and John to see what was happening. So Peter and John start praying for these new believers that they might receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, there they, and, and the Bible tells us that they received uh, the gift of speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit. And in the midst of this great move of God, God sends Philip to a road which went to, to Gaza. He sends Philip to, to a road that was from Jerusalem to Gaza. And question for me is this, why, why did God take Philip out of a revival and send him on a desert road to Gaza? There was stuff happening here. And God says to Philip, Philip, I want you to leave where you are and I want you to go down to Gaza. In the natural, it made no sense. Here was Philip being used by God. Why would he ask him to leave? And I, and I tell you why. Because God is interested in the one. God is interested in the one. Now, I made a commitment to this sermon. I was not going to have points. I said, this is it. This is the Sunday. No points whatsoever. Couldn't help myself. Last night, I went home. I threw some points in there. I just can't do it. <laughs> I resisted up to the end. So here's the first thought to come out of the text. And you can write this down somewhere on a piece of paper. God is interested in the one. God is interested in the one. We're interested in the crowds. How big was the crowd? Oh, thousands. And God is interested in the crowds too, but ultimately he's interested in the one. He's walking along. Um, Zacchaeus is there in a tree, crowds everywhere. And he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, today I'm going to come and have lunch with you. He's walking along to a particular place and people are pressing in on him. And one woman approaches him and she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'm going to be healed. And she does that and she's instantly healed. Jesus stops her. Who touched me? Jesus is interested in the one. He's interested in the one person who's seeking after him, who wants to know him, searching for truth. In the Gospels, Jesus changed the world one person at a time. One encounter at a time. It was, it was one woman at the well. Jesus could easily have gone into Samaria where the crowds were. Instead, he comes back and he waits for that one woman who's, who's coming to the well to speak to her. He's interested in that one prostitute, that tax collector, the blind man, the leper that Jesus healed. God is interested in the one sheep that has wandered off. It's one sheep that, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the one sheep that goes, you know what, I'm sick and tired of being under the shepherd and being with everybody else. And he kind of wanders off on his own. The shepherd could easily have said, you know what, let that sheep learn a lesson. Instead, what does he do? The shepherd leaves the 99, the Bible tells us, and he goes after this one sheep that was lost. And he, and he, and he doesn't stop until he finds that sheep. How many people are glad that the shepherd took off from the 99 came in search of you and me? Bible, Jesus isn't speaking about sheep. He's, he's talking about the great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he came in search of us because we were that sheep that wandered off. And he didn't stop until he found us. And he brought us back to be with him. God is interested in that one person that's lost. That one person who's rebelled against God. He's waiting. He's waiting. I'm waiting. Maybe today could be the day when you come back home. God saw this one Ethiopian who had a desire to know God, searching heart, a thirst for God. So God sends Philip to speak to him about Jesus. Just as God was interested in this one Ethiopian, God is interested in you. 
He knows where you are. He knows the questions that are in your heart. He knows the longings of your heart. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And he wants you to come to know. He created you for such a time as this. He, you, you're not an accident. You're not the product of some cosmic bang. You are created by God to serve God, to serve his purposes. Bible says in verse 27, so he started out and on his way and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. This was a man of great authority in Ethiopia and he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Jerusalem was where the temple was and no doubt he thought, if I go to Jerusalem, I might find God. Maybe he heard of what was happening there and what was the miracles that were happening among, amongst the apostles. And maybe he'd heard about this Jesus and wanted to know more. One thing we do know is that this man was seeking after God. The Bible tells us that he was searching the scriptures. He was reading the book of Isaiah. He could have gone to, 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 to Jerusalem and thought, oh, this is a load of rubbish. Instead, as he's leaving, as he's going back home, he's searching the scriptures because he wants to know who God is. People ask the question, well, how can I know God? I'll tell you where it begins. It begins by seeking after God. That's the second principle. God reveals himself to people who seek after him. Bible says, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. I love that. Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Scripture before that says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And then he says, oh, I like that scripture. And then he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. God doesn't play hide and seek with us. He always responds to people that seek after him, to search for him. I believe that God will reveal himself to every searching heart. Some people say, well, how can I know the truth? There's so many religions out there. Everybody's saying they got the truth. How do we know who's got the truth? Maybe many religions, but there's only one God. And if you seek him, you will find him. If you seek after God, you will, he will reveal himself to you. And here's a man that was seeking the truth and God sends Philip to tell him about Jesus. You know, when you hear the truth, something's gonna, it's gonna be something that happens inside of you that there's gonna be a witness inside of your spirit that says, I've heard the truth. I love the, the story uh, about Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus, and she, he goes in, she goes and visits uh, her cousin Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. And the Bible tells us that when she comes in to see Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist, John the, John the Baptist starts to kick inside of her. When, 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 when he, she was in the presence of Jesus, something inside of her started to leap. And I believe that's the truth for us. When we hear truth, it's going to resonate in our spirit. Something's going to kick inside of us that says, I know that this is the truth. This is, this is the truth. I know that. I tell people all the time, you know, because I, 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 I'm confused. I'm saying, oh, I could be confused too if I, if I think, well, these guys say they got the truth. These guys say they got the truth. Why don't we just take one step above all of that and say, and, and pray to God. There's one God. Let's pray to God and say, Lord, I want to know you. That's it. I don't want to get to the other side of eternity and find out that all of this is real. I want to know you, Lord God. Bible says, if you seek him, you will find him. And so here was a man that was searching Philip, an Ethiopian, and God sends Philip to him. Philip goes to him. He's reading Isaiah. Philip says, do you know, do you know, what, you're, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? He said, how can I? 
How can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So many people like the Ethiopian, the curious, hungry to know God. They've searched through the religions and it's still empty. People have gone to the traditional religions, and, um, but they're still empty. They think Christianity doesn't have the answers. They've searched. Some have even tried reading the Bible, but they can't understand it. The natural mind cannot understand the things of the Spirit. What we need is the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts. I love what the Bible says about Lydia. The Bible says, whose heart the Lord had opened so she could understand what Paul was saying. When we start to seek after God, when we start to search for God, say, Lord, I just want to know you. I don't even know if you exist, if you're even real. But if you are real, I want to know, Lord God. I, I want to know you, Lord God. When you start to pray those kind of prayers, they're the kind of prayers that God answers. And, and, and what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going, to, is going to begin to open up your mind so that you can hear the truth. You know, one of the, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to, is to reveal Christ to us. People say, oh, I came to know Jesus on, you know, the 3rd of August, 19 something or other. Oh, I found Jesus. I found Jesus. No, it was the Holy Spirit was drawing you way before you even thought about Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit that was drawing you and all these bunch of coincidences happened so that you could come to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. It wasn't an accident that Philip was walking down that road. It was ordained by God that Philip should, or that Philip should be walking down that road so that, so that this eunuch could come to know who Jesus was. The, the, the Ethiopian was reading prophecies of Isaiah and, and then he asked, who, who was the prophet speaking about? And Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. That's the third principle that comes out of the text. It's the power of the good news. What is the good news about Jesus? The good news is that through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can come to know God, be forgiven of our sins, have eternal life. We can know Jesus by accepting him as our Lord and Savior. A lot of bad news out there today. All you need to do is look at the media and, and you'll see a lot of bad news. And it seems to be getting worse. The world seems to be going crazy. Can I hear an amen somewhere? Is there someone, it's going mad. They're going mad. I don't know what's going on. But no matter how bad your life is, Jesus wants to see you free and make you into a brand new person. I, I just see the stuff that's going on in the world and I, I, I'm just amazed. I, I, I read the prophecies of the end times and I, it kind of, you can't help but feel like, hey, maybe this could be the end times. That Jesus could return at any particular time, given what's happening. I, I sometimes feel like God is on the edge of his seat saying, He's about to get up. You know, you know how parents, when the kids are mucking around, don't make me get up, you know, <laughs> don't make me get up. Uh, uh, and I feel like God is on the edge of his seat saying, I'm about to get up. I'm tired. <laughs> no matter how bad your life is, Jesus wants to set you free. John says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever has the son experiences Zoe life and life to the full. Some people have tried to find life through religion. But there's a big difference between religion and Christianity. Religion says, if you follow these rules, if you follow these rituals, if you do this, then God will love you. And the more you do, the happier God is with you. It's religion. Christianity is completely different. Christianity is about a relationship. Um, Christianity is not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done in our hearts and lives. I don't pray so God will love me. I pray because God loves me. I love praying. Because God loves me. I love talking to God. 
I love reading the Word. I don't read the Word so that God's going to go, oh, man, phew, he spent 10 minutes reading the Word. Man, it's impressive. I don't do God's not impressed by our time. I read the Word because I love God. He's amazing. He's done so much for me. I can't wait to read the Word. I love it. As I open the Scriptures, God begins to speak about the things in my life. The Bible says, for it's by, it's by grace you've been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. Salvation, he says, is a gift from God. If you've got to work for a gift... It's not a gift. You, you, you bought it. You paid for it. Instead, salvation is a gift. David describes what God does for us in the Psalms. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their faith and trust in God. Good news is simply described in one verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. If you believe in him, you shall not perish, but have eternal life. Well, how do we know Jesus? Well, first of all, we all need to acknowledge the sin in our lives. We need to, the Bible says all of us have fallen short in some way or another. And we, 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 we know the truth. We know that all of us have said something, done something that's displeased God. The Bible goes on to say, for the wages of sin is death. The consequences of sin is, is separation from God eternally. And then he goes on again, and here it is again. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You can't pay for salvation. You can't buy salvation. You can't work, you can't work yourself into salvation. It's a gift from God. The question is, how do we deal with that sin? The Bible says that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and if we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we can be saved. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you might be saved. Is that what it says? Some people say, well, how do you know if you're going? How can you really know if you're going to go to heaven? No one really knows. Well, as I read the scriptures, it says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And there's something very powerful about the confession. It's not just I believe, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that's how we can be saved. When Paul and Silas were in prison, the jailer asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Great question. What do I need to do to get to heaven? What do I need to do to be saved? They replied, Paul and Silas replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. You and your whole household. Believe in the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It means I put my faith and trust in Christ. I ask Jesus into my life. I ask him to forgive me of my sins, to allow him to take the control of my life, to commit and to follow Jesus Christ. There's a story, most, most church people have heard it, but it's the story of Blundin and he's crossing Niagara Falls and you know he's the tightrope walker that actually walks across there. And so he walks across, comes back, and then he says, um, how many people believe that I can put someone in a wheelbarrow and walk across and come back again? There's a crowd that had gathered and they all said, yeah, I believe. Yeah, we believe. And then he said, well, who's going to be the first one to get in the wheelbarrow? And nobody put their hand up. What does it mean to believe? A lot of people give mental assent to God, but they're not willing to get into the wheelbarrow. And it's not until we get into the wheelbarrow that we will experience the life that Jesus promised. It's, it's an abandoning our life to God and saying, Lord, you be the Lord and Savior of my life. You take control of my life. 
How do we show this commitment to follow Jesus? Well, first, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And after the Ethiopian heard the good news about Jesus, he said, was there anything that would stop me from being baptized? And Philip said, notice, he said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There it is. It's a declaration of his mouth. It's a confession. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So what do we do to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Okay, what do I actually have to do? Pray a simple prayer that says something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me. Believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead and I turn from my sins and I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. And then you demonstrate, you seal that commitment to follow Jesus by being baptized. So they stopped the chariot where they were and the Ethiopian was baptized in water. That's the fourth principle to come out of the text. It's the importance of baptism. I love what the King James Version says. It's the Ethiopian who asked Philip, he said, what stops me? What hinders me from being baptized? What stops me from being baptized? I wonder this morning, is there something that is stopping you from being baptized? A lot of people want to know Christ just in case there is a real hell. It's like hell insurance, you know? <laughs> You're going to go to church for hell insurance. You know, you never know. Um, they like being in church. They like the presence of God, but I don't want to get into the wheelbarrow. Um, baptism doesn't save you, but it is a reflection of the decision that you've made to follow Jesus Christ. This, you don't get saved by being baptized, but it's a reflection of a private decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a question is, I guess, what, what does hinder people from getting baptized? What, what does stop people from getting baptized? There's a few things. One of the reasons why people never get baptized is because they say, you know, what are people going to think? What will people say? People think I'm going to be weak. I'm going to be one of those religious people, those fundamentalists. <laughs> just sounds awful. I think the more important question is, what will Jesus think? What will Jesus say? Jesus said in Matthew, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns men, me before men, I will disown him. I'd rather be disowned by people than by God. The Bible tells a story about Peter who disowned Jesus three times. You know the story. Jesus is about to go to the cross. So you, Jesus says to them, you're going to scatter. Peter says, not me. You can count on me. Um, and yet he denied Jesus three times. And the Bible says on the third time he began to call down curses on himself and swore to them. I don't know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. It's going to be a day where people are going to weep bitterly. The Bible actually tells us that. Because they disowned Jesus. Never be ashamed to be called a disciple of Jesus Christ. Give your life to Jesus. The greatest decision you will ever make in your life is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some people say, I'm not ready. Some people think they have to get a theology degree before they can get baptized. Some people think they have to be perfect to get baptized. Well, you know, if, if perfection was, was the prerequisite for baptism, then no one would be baptized. Um, some people say, well, I'm not ready to give up my lifestyle. You know, I'm not, I'm not ready, you know, to commit to the stuff that's all in the Bible. I enjoy my lifestyle and I don't want to give it up. 
just yet. Reminds me of story of, of Pharaoh. You know the story of Pharaoh, uh, Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and and God sends all these plagues. And, and one of the plagues was uh, 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 frogs, just frogs everywhere. Just <laughs> frogs everywhere. Um, and Pharaoh calls Moses in and says, pray to God and tell him to send away these frogs. And um, I think they were cane toads, you know, like I can just imagine everywhere. Um, as I said before, the French would be very happy. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, um, Moses, Moses says, so Pharaoh calls him, get rid of these, get rid of these frogs. So Moses says very well, but this time you decide, um, you know, when you want me to pray that the frogs will leave. And Pharaoh says, I want you to pray tomorrow. I want you to pray tomorrow that God will get rid of the frogs. He didn't say pray right now. He didn't say tonight. No, tomorrow. And some people like that about their faith. They say tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll get serious with God. Tomorrow I'll get my life in order. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to stop doing this stuff. Tomorrow I just want a bit of fun right now, you know. Reality is that tomorrow may never come. Jesus says today is, or the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Open up your heart to Jesus. Some people also never get baptised because of wrong theology. Some people ask the question, why don't we baptise babies? Why don't we, why don't we sprinkle? As a church, we believe the Bible is the word of God. Our doctrine is based not on the Bible, not on tradition. And the Bible says, as they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, Philip did. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. The word baptized here is the, word, the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse, completely immerse. Jesus, our prime example, was not baptized as a child. He was baptized as an adult. We call it believer's baptism because the only prerequisite for baptism is a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. We see that throughout scripture. Believe and be baptized. And a child is not able to make that decision. It's only when they come to an age of understanding that they're able to make a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ, and then they're able to be baptized. So the question is, what's hindering you from getting baptized? What's stopping you from getting baptized? The enemy comes and, 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 and gives us all these reasons why we shouldn't be baptized. And the reality is, the only prerequisite is a desire to follow Jesus Christ. They don't have all the answers. Do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins? I certainly believe that. Are you willing to follow him all the days? Absolutely, I'm willing to follow him. Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. One last point to come out of the um, passage of Scripture is God is looking for someone to use. Two main characters in the story, um, in this in this particular story, one's the Ethiopian and one's Philip. I just love this first first verse. I just love it. It says, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. The angel of the Lord spoke and Philip heard and he obeyed. And later it says, and the spirit said to Philip, uh, go near to the chariot. I believe this, that all around us are people that are searching, they're searching for God. I can't believe that in, in this day and age, there's a lot of people 
you know, turning to crystals and meditation. And it's, it's an amazing thing that we're living in a world today where people are willing to accept so much of the Eastern religions, but, but not Christianity. And why is that the case? Because people are searching. They're searching for truth. They know that there's more to life. There's, there's, there's more to this than, 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 than what's happening around us. People are searching. And God is looking for the Philip who will hear the voice of the Spirit and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit and will go and speak, explain the Scriptures and share the good news. I pray that as a church we would always be sensitive to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. I pray that God would use us as a church not to promote the church. Yeah, don't, don't go to any other church. This is the one. Not to promote a church, not to promote a name, not to promote an individual, but to speak about Jesus Christ because he's our saviour. He's our Lord. He's our healer. He's the one who makes a difference in our life. He's the one who can do so much in our life. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. The Bible says the Ethiopian went away rejoicing because he had come to know Jesus. Maybe there are some of you here today and you've been searching for God. I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to give your life to Jesus today. Would you stand with me?